Hello there, and welcome to the Food for Thought podcast. I'm your host, Erin Hallstrom. Did you know that we waste about 40% of our food across the United States, and most of that ends up in landfills? Did you also know there is a solution to reduce that much food waste while also making a new product category? It's true, and it's called upcycling. Here to talk about upcycling and how it can benefit people and processors is Caitlin Magentel. Magentel is the creator and founder of Pulp Pantry, which takes the waste from juiceries and produce companies and turns it into upcycled gold resulting in Pulp Pantry's Pulp Chips. Throughout the episode, we talk about the statistics behind food waste and its impact on people and our planet. We discuss upcycling and how companies and consumers are responding to it, while ending the episode talking about the potential for this newer product category. Enjoy the episode! Caitlin, welcome to the Food for Thought podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. It's great to have you on. Um, I just want to dive right in with uh, some questions. So for the podcast listeners who may not be familiar with Pulp Pantry, let's start off by talking about what your company manufactures. Yes, so at Pulp Pantry, we are um, an upcycled food brand taking what would otherwise be, you know, ingredients, super nutritious ingredients that would go to waste, such as the fiber or leftover pulp from cold-pressed juice, and we turn that into a line of delicious veggie chips that are made with uh, the fresh veggies as the first ingredient. So for people who aren't familiar with what the upcycled food niche is. Can you explain that a little further, um, what that is or what it entails? So upcycled food essentially means that, you know, you're looking at the under-leveraged byproducts or surplus or rejected produce that comes out of our food manufacturing processes or um, I'll give you a few examples. Let's say, you know, cold-pressed juice, obviously that's how we got our start was looking at the fiber left over from the juicing process and finding that that usually went to waste. And, of course, the value in that, that byproduct is that it contains all the fiber of fresh fruits and vegetables and it still contains nutrition. Um, another place where upcycled, you know, where you might be able to look at upcycled opportunities would be at, let's say, the salad kits that we buy in store that are prepackaged. What a lot of people don't know is almost 40% of the lettuce um, might go to waste in preparing those salad kits because they want to get the freshest, you know, crunchiest, uh, most vibrantly colored leaves. And if we're talking about a head of romaine lettuce, there might be 40% of the outer leaves that are dehydrated from sun exposure or have wind burn or sunburn. And so a lot of those leaves will be discarded but still contain, of course, the nutrition and the fiber of um, the produce. And so there's a lot of places where waste happens in our food system. We waste about 40% of our food across the United States. And most of that, unfortunately, does end up in landfills. You know, there are small um, small percentages that might get diverted to donating food or animal feed or compost. 
But if you look at the EPA hierarchy, really why upcycled food is so important is because you know, our first priority should be to feed people good, nutritious, healthy food. And in the United States, I think it's about bridging the issue of food waste and the fact that you know, 40% of our food going to waste is absolutely insurmountable. I mean, it's just something that you know, we, we really have the capacity to tackle and we need to dedicate more resources to that. Um, given that food waste does contribute such so drastically to climate change and um, has been listed as one of the top solutions to fight climate change. So that's on one hand. But of course, on the other hand, it's one in six Americans are food insecure and a lot of people who lack access to healthy, fresh, nutritious food. And so, you know, when we think about the paradigm of the food resources that are going to waste, it just so happens that the top items wasted are fresh fruits and vegetables. But on the other side, it's nine in 10 Americans don't have access to or don't eat their servings of fresh fruits and vegetables every day. And there have been reports from, for example, the Union of Concerned Scientists that's to show if all Americans were to eat their servings of fresh fruits and vegetables, we'd save hundreds of thousands of lives and billions in medical costs. Um, and so that's really how I, at least, you know, in my mind and in the pulp pantry universe, bring, bring the issue of upcycled food and why it's such a a great solution to not only fight climate change, but hopefully provide greater access to healthy, fresh food is um, it really links everything together. It links together the environment, social, and, and even just individual and community health um, issues that we're facing in our society currently that I think can really be addressed with this solution. And of course, not this solution alone, but um, it, it is why it, it, it's so important. How many other companies are you aware of that are in the upcycled food space? So the companies that, you know, in the upcycled food space, there are definitely over 100 members of the Upcycled Food Association, which was created just last year. Um, and so, you know, the Upcycled Food Association is really bringing together entrepreneurs in this space. And it does feel that the upcycled food the kind of, you know, the, the companies that are coming out with upcycled food as their kind of key brand promise. I mean, it's pretty few and far between. However, this year we've seen so many new product launches related to upcycled food. And I think the main realization for a lot of brand, new brands coming into the space has been, you know, consumers in general care so much about having the products that they buy oriented towards their values. And because climate change and climate anxiety is such a growing thing that we are all experiencing as, you know, as consumers. And as we learn about issues like plastic waste or food waste, um, I think more and more companies that are coming into the, you know, onto the market are actually looking at how can we address some of these issues and obviously, you know, build purpose into our brand. And so I'm excited because although the upcycle food space is pretty small and like we talked about a little bit earlier before jumping on the, the podcast, only 6% of American consumers know what upcycling is, um, and that was an estimate done by the Upcycled Food Association. And yet when people find out about upcycling, more than 60% of people who've been educated on it are specifically seeking out upcycled foods. So I think there's just a lot of opportunity in this space, and I'm definitely excited to see more companies um, coming into play. But I would say, you know, it's still maybe a couple hundred um, companies in the United States that are actually specifically tackling 
food waste through an upcycled food solution. So tell me more about why tackling food waste is a big deal to you. Yeah, so, you know, food waste is, I think, the thing that really riles me up the most, and I guess on one, there's kind of three buckets I would, I would separate the issue of food waste into and how it affects our, you know, our society. One is, of course, environmental. And what happens when food goes to waste? You know, we, we talked about how most of our food actually, food waste actually goes to landfills and it's not necessarily redistributed into donations or animal feed or compost. Um, and so the largest majority going to landfills, and actually I would say in landfills is our number one solid waste component, which, you know, is so talking about food waste being the thing that's cluttering our landfills the most. But what happens when food breaks down is that it actually creates methane gas, um, which is a potent greenhouse gas more than 20 times more powerful than carbon dioxide. And scientists say that food waste actually contributes to about 8% of our our global greenhouse gas emissions, and it's the third largest greenhouse gas emitter behind the United States and China. So, I mean, talking about the environmental ramifications, obviously tackling climate change is a really pressing issue um, today because we are seeing sea levels rising. We're seeing more frequent, you know, climate disasters and catastrophes and people who are, especially in marginalized communities, um, being forced to really abandon their livelihoods in some ways because of these climate disasters. So, you know, environmental and then kind of weaving into the social aspect, which is, again, that, you know, because tackling climate change really connects to just the way that people live and the way that people access resources and the way, the way that people have established their homes in areas that are now more prone to things like wildfires or, or floods or, you know, whether it's like hurricanes. I mean, there's just so many crazy things, of course, that we all know as consumers and, and, and consumers of media that are going on in the world that are all connected to the issue of climate change. So for me, that's really one of the biggest, you know, calls to action is how can we do better? But again, and, and kind of touching on what we discussed a little bit earlier was the, the actual human element that, it, that relates to just, I mean, we have rising, of course, obesity in the United States, but across the globe we have issues of malnutrition or lack of nutrition or even lack of access to healthy, fresh foods and starvation and hunger. And I mean, for me, you know, we, we talk about 2050, our population growing to almost 10 billion people. And what a lot of people say is with that population growth, we would need to increase our food supply by 60% or more than double. And, you know, what I, what I look at is, well, hey, globally, we are wasting more than 30% of, you know, global food supply instead of clearing more forest land, which will lead to further climate, you know, climate change and, and will further, um, I would just say, you know, inhibit some of the carbon sinks that are, that are inherent in, in our forests, instead of clearing that land to create more farmland and boost up our food production, let's, let's not put a Band-Aid solution on the issue of hunger. Let's address food waste and hopefully find ways that we can redistribute good food resources to feed more people. Um, and I think first and foremost, we need to tackle that that issue just to make sure that we can feed the world in a way that's sustainable and, you know, works with Mother Nature and, and with some of the uh, climate issues that we're seeing today. So I think there's so many different aspects from nutrition 
and human health and just displacement and climate change. I mean, it, it's all connected, and that's why for me food waste is such a big issue that, you know, we really need to tackle starting today. Can you talk a bit more about your supply chain and how your company manufactures pulp chips? Um, specifically, do you work with other manufacturers or food service and ask for their carrot peels? I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I sound, probably sound a little bit uneducated asking this, but I'm very curious, as I'm sure mm-hmm. are our listeners. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, you know, for us, we are looking at so many different areas where food waste happens and thinking about how pulp pantries processing and the way that we receive ingredients can hopefully cast a wider net as to where food waste is happening in our system. So, for example, we've created a list of eight produce items that we see going to waste at the most frequent quantities. And the way that we created that list was collaboratively we worked with a produce broker who sees a large amount of, you know, he has suppliers that he provides fresh produce to, and they come to him asking him for resources to, let's say, upcycle their byproduct after uh, manufacturing those salad kits is, is one example. So, hey, we have a ton of, of these lettuce leaves that go to waste, but we want to find a good home for them. Do you have any, any solutions for people who might take those? Or he might be seeing a ton of rejections and surplus produce coming from the fields, given that he's connected to all of these different players in the space. Um, and so we really worked collaboratively with our industry partners to say, where is the food waste happening the most and where can we provide the most benefit? We also work with cold-pressed juice manufacturers and two large national brands that are, you know, on a consistent juicing schedule. So they produce packaged goods that go to grocery stores across the nation. And because of that, they have consistent supply of the produce pulp that we're able to take and manufacture into our chips. So we're looking at a couple of different avenues of where food waste is happening, mostly from the manufacturing end, um, but also sometimes from the field and sometimes from, I would just say, again, you know, cosmetic or quality issues that come, um, come from manufacturer rejections. And we're just trying to give all of that produce a home by creating our own processing um, technique that will allow us to essentially create a feedstock ingredient to manufacture our chips. And really the challenge with manufacturing is that, you know, traditional manufacturing paradigms have oftentimes been reliant on dry ingredient inputs. So if you think about a chip, for example, most chips on the market are made from corn flour or maybe potato flour or potato starch or dehydrated potato flakes. And so, so many of these inputs, because they are dry ingredients, you know, technology and the way that our manufacturing facilities have been built up is, of course, to streamline that process. And now for us, you know, because of the innovation and because of the way that we want to put fresh ingredients at the center of our products, we are faced with the challenge of dealing with and and kind of remediating the fresh ingredients in a traditional manufacturing paradigm. So for a pulp pantry, that's where a lot of our innovation has been centered is how do we get fresh ingredients into an input that, um, that you know, will, will make sense for a traditional chip manufacturer? So we do rely heavily on partnerships both on the supplier front and, of course, on our manufacturing front. So this next one is a two-part question and a real close follow-up to 
um, what you were just talking about. So do you work with only local organizations to obtain your food waste um, ingredients? Uh, it sounds like you're more national, but not just local. Or do you have cohorts throughout the country that send in their product? You kind of already answered that. But follow up to that, um, probably the bigger question, if companies um, that you're presently not working with wanted to work with you, how could they go about doing so? Yeah. Great question. So, you know, we have been working with California-based companies. However, um, you know, their sourcing is not necessarily limited locally. Um, the reason why we focus on California is definitely due to just the freight costs. Um, and we, because of our fresh ingredient focus, we do have a cold chain transportation for all of our ingredients coming in. Um, and, you know, a lot of those ingredients need to be processed relatively quickly to stay within um, kind of our quality standards. So, yeah, we have been kind of focused on the West Coast for our sourcing to date and focused on organic produce as well, which has been something, you know, very important to our consumers. So I would say, you know, for anyone who's looking to um, work with us, we are always so excited to explore potential sourcing partnerships, especially as we grow and, um, you know, want to build out that, that partnership, that list of partners that we can call on to source byproducts or rejections or surplus. So, um, you know, people are definitely welcome to reach out. And I think on the other side, just it's about finding ways that we can support one another. And obviously tackling food waste is going to be an issue that does require a lot of collaboration. So I'm always excited to um, be able to collaborate with companies that have large amounts of byproducts and figure out ways that we can either support in product development or just provide some advice and feedback based on what we've learned. So I'm always, I'm always happy to be a part of that conversation. Um, and yeah, we, we definitely have been, um, you know, the, the companies that we work with might be shipping their products, their end products nationally, but a lot of them do manufacture within California um, or the West Coast. And just, you know, for the ease of, of working with fresh ingredients, I would say, you know, that's definitely still been a focal point. What was the difficulty level in getting pulp pantry off the ground? Um, what it, what issues did you run into while getting products on the shelves? There were so many issues. So where can we start? I mean, you know, the biggest thing for us was, I mean, the R&D process definitely took a bit of time, and we really started manufacturing on a small scale, so very small compared to, I think, what our co-packer would consider a normal-sized, you know, production run. But for us, you know, the innovation that was inherent in the product, I mean, the reason why I think our co-packer was willing to take that risk and that chance on us is because of where consumer trends are headed. And it does require, you know, some changes in, in not only like the ingredients that consumers are interested in, but, um, you know, the way that, that our products would be manufactured. So it's been a very collaborative process. I would say the biggest challenge for us is when we received our first purchase order from Target. And, you know, we work with Target on the West Coast only. So we're in about 400 stores spanning from Washington, Oregon, all of California, Nevada, and, and, um, and Arizona. And we got our purchase order, and it happened to be probably three times the, the quantity of product that we would manufacture in a traditional, you know, production run. 
And due to the lead times on some of our ingredients, um, we weren't we wouldn't have been able to fill that full that full purchase order. And so for us really throttling our growth and our production capabilities and advancing in our R and D and our processing capabilities to meet demand and meet, you know, our retailer partners, that has been a big challenge for us and in making sure that, you know, we can support onboarding new customers. Um, we're also, you know, we just launched in Whole Foods in the Southern Pacific region, and we're launching in a big national food distributor, um, specifically though focused on the West Coast. So for us, it's really been about throttling our growth. Um, I think what's inherent in, what is inherent in the innovation and the way that we're doing things differently also means that, you know, a quick national turn-on strategy wouldn't necessarily work for us. But I really liked working within that constraint because, I mean, I think that's what, you know, that's what it takes to really do something different. And we want to make sure we're, we're creating a great quality product that we're putting out a product that our consumers will love and, um, you know, that we're staying true to our values and kind of where we can have the, meet the most need and hopefully make the most difference. So it's balancing all of those different factors with, um, you know, the desire to grow, of course, a successful national brand as an end result. Well, it definitely sounds like you're very busy. Which leads me to my next question. What is your distribution like right now? I know you kind of touched on it in the last question, but what's your distribution yeah. like right now? We've been super focused on building partnerships with what we would call, you know, aligned retailers, I would say. So our focus has definitely been on the West Coast and kind of, you know, places in our back door that we can have a little bit more of a, a relationship with the um, our direct relationship with our with our stores, and of course, getting to know how the product is is resonating with our consumer base. But I wouldn't say that we're limited to the West Coast. I mean, we are launching in Mom's Markets, which is on the East Coast, and that's happening in October. But the reason why we chose to work with Mom, despite it being so far from home, was because. They're, they have a special opportunity where they are uh, celebrating upcycled food products with a special merchandising section of the store focused on upcycled food products. And so, you know, for us, that was very exciting because it, it, made, uh, it made the story of upcycling so prominent on shelf and leads to, you know, mutual success for the retailer and understanding does our consumer base care about this? Is this a, is this a section of the store where consumers are – it's a destination where consumers are going to find upcycled products or on the flip side, you know, maybe, maybe they see that the, the trend is a little bit, maybe marketing something as an upcycled merchandising section isn't quite, the consumer isn't quite ready for that. But I would, I would say that they're, um, I was so excited to learn about that and definitely retailers that put that front and center, that's always been a focus for us in supporting them and, you know, supporting that aligned kind of mission to get, get the word out about upcycled food and why fighting food waste is so important. Um, we do have partnerships with a, a retailer in New York City called Juice Press. And again, for us, the, the cool thing about that partnership was, um, you know, the focus on plant-based and organic products. And, and, of course, the fact that they are a juicery and we can tell our story much more directly about upcycling cold-pressed juice pulp to make our chips. Um, so there's there's been a lot of fun collaborations, I think, given that, you know, we have been very much impact and sustainability oriented. We also work with Thrive Market. We work with Imperfect Produce. 
and um, of course Whole Foods and Target on the West Coast. So our distribution is um, it's very interesting. I guess the last note I would say about that is, you know, although we're focused on the specialty and natural channels, and you know, really these aligned retailers that have stated sustainability values, the reason why we were so excited to work with Target is because not only are they placing greater emphasis on emerging brands and on sustainability, but we are actually merchandised in the produce aisles at Target, which for me was super exciting because it means that we're not competing with Frito-Lay and some of these you know, big multinational tortilla chip or traditional chip manufacturers, but we're actually able to differentiate and tell our produce-centric story within the produce department of Target. So we're merchandised near plant-based dips. We're merchandised near you know, the fruits and vegetables. And it gives us, again, a greater reach to that, that consumer base that we're targeting, which is really the lifestyle of health and sustainability um, consumer who puts health and sustainability at the front of their values. So that's been a very exciting partnership for us as well. What's next on the horizon for Pulp Pantry? Are you branching out to other food products or just honing in on where you're at right now? You know, we definitely have a milestone in mind for the growth of our current veggie chip line, um, and we haven't quite hit that yet. So I think, you know, adding on one or two more regions and, um, and really being able to see the veggie chip line continue to expand in stores is the first and primary focus. But we definitely have other categories in mind and in the past have had a, um, you know, we did have food scientists and a pastry chef involved in creating some um, different product opportunities for us to explore. So we have our mind on so many areas where we think the promise of upcycled foods could really create a differentiated offering for consumers uh, and one that matches and aligns with not only their, their values for sustainability, but also health and nutrition. Um, and I think there's just so much opportunity out there for where upcycled foods can make a difference and, and create a really unique stance in a product category that currently might be lacking innovation. So I will be very excited when we get to have a future conversation about some of those you know, new product launches and um, you know, how we approach manufacturing really from the bottom up, I think, or maybe I guess that's technically the top down. <laughs> but either way, you know, that's going to be a really, that's going to be a very fun adventure to build the Pulp Pantry brand and continue building upon um, the innovative offerings that, you know, we are, we're excited about. So last question. You were featured as one of Food Processing's entrepreneurs to watch um, this year. So I want to know, if you could give one piece of advice to fellow food entrepreneurs, what would it be? Well, I am just going to, you know, kind of reiterate what I feel like is important to consumers in the marketplace today, which is, you know, leading your brand with values that will essentially resonate with the issues that consumers care about today, whether it be creating something that's truly differentiated from a nutrition standpoint and that truly provides, you know, benefits to consumer health. Or, or combining that with the sustainability offering and the fact that so many consumers today do have climate anxiety and are overwhelmed by feeling like, what can I do as one person to impact 
issues as big as, you know, as big as climate change and, and big and hairy as climate change. And so I think for fellow entrepreneurs looking to jump into the, the food and beverage world, it's so essential to root brand building in one of those values. And I guess my last comment on that would be, you know, there's a huge issue right now with plastic pollution. Um, and I think finding ways that we as brand builders can continue to take responsibility for, you know, the kind of dark side of our, of our industry, which I would say is, is packaging. There's tons of innovation coming out um, into the space, and I think we as entrepreneurs and, you know, early brand builders, we have a lot of potential to become early adopters of packaging solutions that can also have a huge impact. Um, so for me, you know, my best advice would really be, you know, follow, follow your heart, honestly, and follow, you know, your personal values. Don't take no for an answer. Don't try not to – I mean, there's so much compromise that happens in the industry, but we've, we've all got to find innovative solutions, and I think consumers and press and, you know, the people who are really going to buy into your brand will fully celebrate that, and um, I think it's just the best way to build a competitive edge, but one that's rooted in, you know, authenticity to – fight some of the, the biggest challenges and issues that we face as a society. So I hope that I hope that, that resonates with people and that, you know, future brand builders really really implement some of those considerations into into building new brands. Well Caitlin, thank you so much for being on the Food for Thought podcast with me today. It was really great talking to you and I enjoyed it so much. Thank you, Erin, so much for having me and for featuring Tip Pantry as one of the food entrepreneurs to watch. It's such an honor and absolutely love what you're doing, um, love the content that you're putting out, and can't wait to become a longtime follower as well. everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.